Hey guys, I hope you're all doing well this week. I just wanted to say thanks again to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. I'm seeing the the plays going up month to month and it's just, it's really lovely to see. And, you know, I'm delighted that people are showing an interest in what I got to give. So thank you so much. And don't forget to subscribe if you're on the apps or on YouTube, as it does kind of really show me that I'm really giving value to people who are listening. And it also helps me push the podcast out to more people. So that would be awesome if you could do that. So this week I'm speaking to a an artist um, known as Sive. Her full name is Sive O'Sullivan. Um, she's from my hometown, Kildare. I've known her since I was a teenager at a distance. We never were really, you know, we never hung out in the same group or anything like that. But we reconnected again in recent years through social media and the world of um, singing, teaching and gigging and things like that, really. Um, so in the podcast episode, we chatted about her work as a community musician, her original music and about how listeners can support artists via the platform Patreon. So check it out, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe. So are you, do you teach at all? Um, not formally. I'm yeah. doing like, I'm doing some, a little bit of like songwriting one-to-one stuff at the moment, but it's not, I don't really see it as teaching. It's more just like mentoring or yeah (laughs) yeah I think I I would imagine like coming from kind of the community music kind of side of things it would kind of probably put you in a slightly different mindset with regards to that stuff it's kind of different yeah I never although I think teaching vocals is kind of or teaching anything I suppose you can put like any mindset on it if you know what I mean (laughs) like yeah but yeah I suppose I never really wanted to like teach as such didn't really know what I wanted to do and then the community music just led me into other stuff (laughs) yeah I I don't know I always wanted like I I never knew what community music was to study like you know and then I was like I wonder what it is and I think like just from my own the last few years like of myself teaching and stuff I re- kind of when I was in particular situations like more kind of group stuff or if I had to like you know kind of public speaking kind of roles I realized I was a I was a bit like oh this is scary <laughs> shit yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like you know but as I was thinking I'm obviously back in college now and we're doing community music kind of music therapy introduction lectures and I can kind of see like how that those classes would help with that side of things so you have to kind of yeah. your class and kind of introduce yourself and put like slides together and stuff which is something I hadn't done a lot of before so how did you find that experience I think that's why like study like doing a course was so great for me because obviously like community music it's just a it's a it's it's a not I don't know it's not really a new field but officially speaking it's like what is it so like I meet loads of people that haven't done the community music masters but for me it was just really good to like take that year and and do like just get practice doing all that stuff because <laughs> even when I signed up for the masters I was like what are you doing Sive like you're a total introvert what this is this isn't but there was something that I just knew like I had to do it and then the year was just really good just like you said to just like practice putting presentations together and leading groups and just doing stuff that before for me without that year to focus on it I just would have been way too scared to do (laughs) yeah yeah definitely it kind of like it does take a bit of time to get used to doing that you know um because we get so comfortable in our role as kind of artist musicians you know so 
it's not the same when you have to get up and speak in front of people. It's a totally different experience. Oh, like I still, well, now I think when things open back up after COVID, this will be different. I'll be scared of everything. You'll be like <laughs> starting over again. <laughs> Way more anxious about teaching even small groups and doing things like that than I would about performing, Do you know, that kind of way. Like it's just, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. So can can I ask you a little bit about the course then? So did you do like a degree beforehand? Did you just go straight into the, the masters because you had so much mus- mus- musicianship already yourself? It is one of those courses where like if you don't have a degree, they'll take everything else into consideration. So like, I think I was 23 when I went in. So I had done the the diploma course in Ballyfermot. And then I had, yeah, I had just been playing for years and doing some workshops and a little bit of teaching, but not really sure. So, yeah, when you go for that course, because obviously they want a mix of kind of experience and different people on the course. So it's not just like no degree or nothing. Um, they kind of they'll they'll look at the whole picture. Yeah. And like what kind of modules were you kind of digging into in, within the course? So like. One of the main ones, and I can't remember the names of them, just community music, the practice, whatever module, um, mm-hmm. kind of pretty much different teachers coming in every week, um, just saying, here's what I do. And I've gone back and taught on it since, which is really nice. Oh, wow. Really cool because it's really practical. It's just different people coming in going, here are the kind of groups I work with. Here's what I do. Here's what works. Here's what didn't work, you know. Um, but then there was also like a business module where you had to make a business plan and mm-hmm. where you had to present, pretend, you know, pitches, funding pitches and stuff like that. And then there was modules where you just actually play music as well, just develop your musicianship. So it's quite well-rounded. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, yeah, I'm loving the, the modules that I'm doing at the minute as well. Like, you know, and like, it's not that, like a lot of the stuff that we've covered so far is kind of stuff I have a bit of experience in already, but I'm definitely, definitely needing to like improve my public speaking skills. That's kind of a goal of mine this year. I might even do a course during the summer or something like, you know, because I'm like, <clears throat> my mouth gets dry and all. I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I kind of regressed the last year as well like I feel like I'm way more afraid <laughs> you know I've become this mousy person sometimes <laughs> where I'm like afraid to say anything I'm like was I this bad before I don't know <laughs> I think though as well like a lot of us who have kind of you know kind of come up from the whole playing gigs thing and that side of things like even even you know being in school shows and things like that I don't know if you did that but I did but like that kind of side of things being a performer um we kind of have like a it's almost like a little safety blanket being in that bubble uh, you know and like when you talk to people at gigs it's like you know they're coming up to tell you that they love your music and it's kind of it's not not I don't want to say superficial but it's kind of like it's not like deep a deep connection like it's like it's it's just kind of banter nice friendly banter like sometimes maybe that might lead to something but you know it's kind of easy to do that it's easy just to be like oh thanks so much and blah 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 and like you know and that that kind of level kind of of chat but then when we find ourselves in like other situations that are like where we're not that kind of person I suppose in in a way where we're not the center of attention and not not the person that's kind of being kind of um complimented or whatever then sometimes it can be quite daunting like it's it's a completely different thing isn't it just yeah it's just it's a different world completely (laughs) yeah and have you ever had a gig where like you were like so nervous and that you felt like it just went terrible yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
nothing worse than when you have a gig and you think it's gone terrible and people are coming up to tell you it was great because you just feel like they're all lying to you and you're just like, stop. You feel really stupid being like, thank you, because you're like, I know it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but you know, though, a lot of the time they probably didn't. Probably wasn't. Notice, like you noticed that like you didn't come in here on time and you sung this word twice or whatever, sung it wrong. And But, you know, a lot of the time people don't notice, but you feel like they've seen everything they know now they know yeah like nerves are weird as well like I find I go through phases like when I like I wouldn't really I never really considered myself a performer at all like I never did shows or anything in school I just liked writing songs mm-hmm. I had a gig and I hated it like and I it took me about five years to be like oh, I kind of enjoy this but then I go through phases where I'm just breaking it going on stage and actually just before lockdown I was kind of in one of those phases where I just was like oh not feeling comfortable so I hope that like (laughs) hope that that's just not increased by 10 now when gigs happen again you know though like I don't know if I see I put up a post recently I've been kind of creating some content or you know kind of come up with some content specifically for like more introverted people you know which covers some of this stuff like you know about kind of like it's re- it's a weird thing because a lot maybe people wouldn't necessarily think that we're introverted because we're putting ourselves in the limelight and that kind of thing but again it goes back to that safety bubble thing of like this is kind of what I I know I'm like fairly good at and I can I know people you know like it a fair amount and you know it's kind of like just safe like you know so yeah it's it's um it's difficult for for us to be thrown into like other situations that yeah that are outside of our comfort zone yeah it's it's weird when you're a perfor- like when you're a performer like people will say things yeah god it must be great to have the confidence to get up there and do that and, and I find it really hard to resonate with comments like that because I'm like I don't really I just do it <laughs> you know and actually other people do things that would scare me way more like you know somebody might come up and say that to you but they might be a school teacher and that scare me way more than getting on stage you know so it's just yeah. like, different things scare different people I suppose I I'm just having a flashback to um Rose Early's oh god in Newbridge in County Kildare and I don't know what age you are we must have been I mu- it must have been only about 18 or something maybe maybe could have been younger could have been younger actually but I was just thinking because we're in the pub maybe I don't know what age you were but anyway we were there and I remember I think it was in Rose Early's and you came in and you played the guitar I don't know when it was but I remember it was like one of your first times playing guitar in public yeah I remember you saying that you were playing like you were actually doing like something kind of arpeggiated but you were like you were so nervous and you were like like this and your guitar but like everyone was like so encouraging I remember that I remember like being and I remember like you know like Dave Nolan and those guys I didn't really know who you were at the time and they were like telling me like that you're a great songwriter and everything and they were like go on side you're playing the guitar <laughs> do you remember that do you I know when that was I, I'm trying to remember the first so my, I remember my first ever gig obviously these were all gigs with the Eyes of Hells the teenage band um was Bjeltene I couldn't tell you the year maybe 2004 or something and it was in the yard of the school patrician one of the, the primary school on the road into Newbridge there mm. and it yeah, they, they had a stage set up and it lashed rain, so everybody just crowded into the bike shed. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. those earlys might have been soon after that. Yeah, like a more acoustic style gig. 
Um, I, I feel like maybe it was like, I, I feel like it was your you on your own. It was definitely you on your own. It wasn't like the eyes of hell. So maybe it was a bit later. But I just remember you were like super nervous and everyone was just being so encouraging. But before that, I remember <clears throat> your band. I know you posted about it recently as well. Yes. And the eyes of hells. Like I was really big into the, you know, the AAS. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember like I my dream was to be in a band like when I was, you know, 15, 16. But it just didn't happen for me until a bit later. And I remember going to it was some like community hall or something in Newbridge. And and you guys were playing and oh, Ryston? Ryston, it probably was Ryston. Yeah, it probably was Ryston. And you played like some of your own songs. I remember you played a, the a Yeah 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 song and I was like, Oh my god, I played a Yeah 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 song. I was like, I wanna be in their band. <laughs> you were so good, like I just loved it. Bands, we were disgusted because we came nowhere. <laughs> was it a battle of the bands? I can't remember now. It was, yeah. I I think I remember being some battle of the bands some band came down from dublin and won it i, I know do you know what though it's so hard to win competitions like you know because you never know who what the crowd's going to be like on the day if it's audience vote or whatever like you know they might just be more into like a different style or something than than your style or whatever well, and I know if at the time you were you singing in, in the band at the time i know you were like you're playing keyboard or something just guitar and guitar bass. I mean, I would get roped into backing vocals, but I mean, I was so, I would literally pretend my microphone wasn't working. Like, it used to drive the others crazy. I'd be, <laughs> Claire would like look around like, where's the harmony? I'd be like, I don't know, microphone's not on. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely wasn't, yeah, definitely wasn't uh, on my own. <laughs> That's gas. It's so funny though, like how, how much people kind of progress. Because I was like, you weren't like the lead singer, like it was so, so, not so, um. Claire. Claire was the lead singer, right? Yeah. But has she got on to do music? Because I, I don't I haven't heard anything about it or not at the moment. But she did have a, a, a like a duo with Padder. What's Padder's second name? Now I don't think I'm pronouncing it right, but it was Lightet. Um, they were kind of electronic. They released an EP. They had some nice tracks, but they're not doing it at the moment. But uh, okay. yeah, she went on to make more music. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, I was always wondering, like you know, the way when you. You think of people from school, you're like, I don't, I don't know where they are now. Like, I feel like me and you have known of each other for like a long time, but we don't really know each other because we never really hung out or anything like that. So, yeah, um, everyone else got sense. We I'm still doing music. That's how I feel. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I probably should have got sense, but I just can't do anything else. <laughs> I think I feel like you embraced it. Um, you embraced it as a career a lot sooner than I did you know I worked in retail for a long time before I was like I want to do music from for my job do you know but you you've kind of been doing it like pretty consistently right yeah but I mean it was really coming to the more the community music side of things that made me realize I could make a living out of it because before that I was like I know I want to write songs but I don't really want to put any pressure on them to be my living because then they have then I have they they turn into something else I have to try and write commercially or unless mm. I know some people just get lucky but I didn't want to be focusing on that with my own songwriting and I was like I don't know if I want to be a set musician you know I did a bit of like wedding gigs and I was like I don't really like this I don't know what I want to do <laughs> so then when I kind of came upon the whole field of community music I was like oh my gosh this is like a whole world of interesting stuff I just never knew about they never told us about in school <laughs> they didn't know either I guess <laughs> That that's the thing I feel like I was I think that's part of the reason why I took me so long because I didn't really know 
about all the jobs that existed for musicians <laughs> I know it sounds real like stupid but I, I didn't really like I, it's like it's you're like oh yeah I didn't realize like, I could go into like you know old folks home and like you know sing to people and that could be a job like I didn't you know I didn't know these things existed you know so it seems like you kind of had this a similar kind of revolution with that yeah exactly revelation not revolution revelation yeah (laughs) (laughs) similar like the first time it came onto my radar it was really random I just signed I applied for this thing there's this place called the Ark in Dublin and um it's like a children's kind of theater and I applied for this week uh, where there was like five spaces for musicians to work with this composer called Brian Irvine on a 20 minute musical piece kind of theatrical I don't know what you call it for children and then some kids were going to come in at the end of the week to to watch it and like during that week I just met people that well I met a girl who had done the community music program and I just met people that were doing all these like music workshops and just doing all this stuff that I was like oh you guys are interesting what's all this and that just kind of set me off on a path yeah and what so what kind of like I've seen you post about like different things over the last few years but like what kind of work have you been up to like who are you working with what groups are you working with what kind of workshops are you putting together that that kind of thing yeah so I suppose like when I finished so before I went and did the the community music program I had done like an introductory training to like music and healthcare kind of specializing in older people and dementia so I knew that was an area that I enjoyed uh, so when I came out of the program it was really interesting I had like when we were in college we had to make up kind of some of our dream projects and one of mine was like I'm gonna set up a choir for people living with dementia and it's gonna be in the lovely um, community center in Nace and this and this and this and then when I moved back to Nace it already existed and I was like oh no way so I went in and I just started volunteering with them I'd ended up just like becoming a like full time well, full time but you know like a professional part of that choir and then we set up a second choir um like here in Kildare the, there's like an account the arts office have a dedicated arts and well-being kind of officer so they're really into this kind of stuff so wow yeah. where is that yeah this is a nace there's one choir in nace and one in selbridge cool yeah and then we kind of set up some music stuff in nace hospital and then I just started doing music programs in day centers and nursing homes of course now it's all online <laughs> yeah and how is how does that work online because I say some of that work is quite I suppose sensitive or delicate yeah. how does that work and the thing is like zoom even after like a year of using it it's actually not the most accessible platform for people like it just I you know it, like I've been running zooms for one of the choirs now for a year and still every week there'll be someone that like the sound wasn't won't work or something won't work and yeah. I can't figure out why, <laughs> you know, it's just, and then some people just can't get on. So it's quite annoying. And then of course you can't sing on Zoom. It's, I don't know if you've ever tried to sing. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, not in groups, no. <laughs> two people, it's a disaster. It's just all out of sync. So kind of like we we have two choirs and one of them, we kind of just decided Zoom was going to be too frustrating for too many of them so we didn't go down that route and the other one like we basically just have kind of coffee mornings and we chat and you know sometimes we might do like a quiz or do a bit of movement or something yeah um but apart from that like whatsapp we've got whatsapp groups and we make playlists like themed playlists and, and things like that 
and that's, that's lovely and is this part of embrace ireland do you want to tell us a bit about embrace ireland that kind of came recently enough right yeah, technically it's not i suppose like myself and sharon we run the choirs um and we set up embrace music together but the choirs existed before Embrace Music and they're funded by Kildare County Council. So technically they're not <laughs> part okay, of it. Okay, right. But it's the same people involved. <laughs> um, yeah, so Embrace Music, we kind of, like myself and Sharon, because we've been working together so much for so long, we kind of had it in our heads for a long time that um, we'd, we'd put some kind of name, official name on it at some point. Um, and then I think... Back in March, I had started just doing these little live streams just via Facebook, which kind of nursing homes had started to tune into and stuff like that. Wow. So we said, okay, let's set up Embrace Music. Let's set up our own Facebook page and let's make this an Embrace Music project. And then, yeah, it kind of grew from there. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you've kind of like developed like a little, honest, like a, it's kind of like a brand of community music. Like it's, or a group or an organization? Maybe our brand is a bit too flashy. Good question, because we're currently trying to figure out what the hell we are, like, you know, from that point of view. We're, yeah, I mean, we kind of set up thinking we were a social enterprise and then we looked into the the, 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 the specific... Terminology. And the, and the requirements to be yeah. a enterprise. And we're not really sure. We're, we're certainly a socially driven business. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, we're... we're we're something <laughs> and is is um is your business like funded by the arts council or is it like would you be putting on events that like you would that people pay to go to as well or is it a mixer a mixture of both maybe in future like so far it yeah it'll be a mixture like so far like we, we were lucky we got um sponsorship or like uh, funding from creative ireland just kind of they had given out funding to different local authorities and um the Kildare County Council wanted to use some of the funding to help set up a social enterprise so we got some funding from them to kind of get us going but then apart from that it's it's just random bits of sponsorship or you know like we got some from BM stair lifts for our live streams for a while and wow okay yeah we've got we're doing a project now at the moment which is we got funding from the Irish Hospice Foundation so it's kind of like you know you are constantly looking for funding <laughs> it's it's not like mm-hmm. the stream of funding that is your wage it's like okay what can we do next what opportunities are out there and how can we apply for them you know it's kind of yeah it's kind of constant in that sense and have you gone down the route of like um, applying for like Arts Council grants or anything no not no I mean I think I applied myself for Arts Council grants before I did get the travel and training one once I never had any luck with the recording ones but um, Embrace Music we haven't applied from the Arts Council yet we probably will if the right thing comes up yeah I suppose it's really about like really solidifying your vision for it because as you said you're still trying to figure out kind of like where you stand and like kind of what exactly you are even though you kind of know what you're providing but I think yeah it, that's that's just more on the logistical point of view like mm. um you know in order to be a certain kind of business there has to be certain things in place like boards of management and all these different things that you know that don't really affect what you do like you know our mm. vision, like we know what embrace music is but it's just from a like you know technical point of view <laughs> I get 
I get what you mean. It's like paperwork, really, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. It's just those little technicalities. Well, they're quite big technicalities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, yeah, the side of things that aren't as fun, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So within Embrace Music, not Ireland, um, it's, is it predominantly like the elderly that you're kind of working with? Dementia patients, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, So far, that would be, I suppose that would be where myself and Sharon have both just been working mostly in the last few years and, and what we really enjoy. So yeah, yeah, that's the main kind of, um, yeah, the main body of work at the moment. And have you had any experience um, working with um, an older person who, who has dementia? Have you had any kind of experiences that stand out where, can you tell us a bit about how music helps those people? Yeah, well, like, first of all, you know, you can't assume that it's going to help everyone. I think that's mm-hmm. like thing I learned early on is like, don't assume that everyone wants music and that it's going to be good for everyone. Like some people, it might agitate them. It might bring up a bad memory. So that's, mm-hmm. like, you know, but like, I think I always have a memory of, and I think most people who do this work probably have a memory like this, like back in the beginning when I was just playing in a, on a hospital ward, and not really thinking anyone was responding. And then like afterwards, just like a daughter coming up and saying, oh my God, my mother was tapping her finger and she hasn't responded to anything in weeks. And that kind of made me realize, okay, like you can't go into any situation thinking a very specific response is a success. Like Mm. particularly like sometimes when you go into different settings, there can be pressure like, oh, you have to get everyone dancing and you have to be, and it's like, no, actually, like, yeah, successful music session can look like anything. And it mightn't look like anything if you're not watching closely enough, Do you know, that kind of way. Yeah, that's a really fair point. It's it's something that our that our lecturer actually mentioned in, in our course about, yeah, about like, it's like music is not going to be necessarily like good for everyone at every particular time, you know, it, it can have obviously amazing kind of healing benefits or even just communication um progress I guess progress in their communication or moments which is fantastic like we've all you know seen the video of um the guy with the he, this one put his headphones on like oh my gosh my heart just melted when I saw that like I think that's kind of what you know most of us would think when we think about kind of music therapy community music that kind of side of things but it's, it's as you said, doesn't always look that way. Yeah. You know, which is really amazing. Yeah, exactly. You can't go in with a preconceived notion that someone has to respond in a certain way because that's just, everyone's different. And um, do you have anyone in your family that like, you know, has struggled with like dementia and like that? And have you sung with them or played music for them or? No, I don't. And like, I think people always think when you're in this field that you do like that you have some kind of personal experience that's mm-hmm. to it. But actually, I, I don't. <laughs> I have like, obviously, I still have two living grandparents. My grand granddad now would be develop. He is starting to develop, um, I think, dementia. Yeah. Not officially, but actually, I haven't seen him in over a year oh, now. No, it's so sad, isn't it? It's like, it's horrible that we can't see our grandparents. Got a second vaccination recently, so things are looking up. <laughs> Good. And what age is your grandparents? Are your grandparents? My granddad. Oh, I think he's he's ninety three. So he's so is mine. Yeah. Hey, Same yeah. age. Yeah. 
the yeah I mean like he's and he's so strong like a big strong man and then my grandmother she's on the other side I think I'm really bad she's 85 or 86 she just got her first shot so she's yeah I have to ring her actually and congratulate her <laughs> oh it's so cute it's like I think like I think it, it must have it must have been like so difficult for like the elderly like kind of just being stuck in their houses you know because everyone's been so overprotective of them it's kind of like yeah it's like stay in your house because you don't want you don't want to get infected but like that's really hard too that also has its damaging effects and I think it took a while for like people to cotton on to that that it's not okay just to be like if you're vulnerable just stay at home like I mean okay yes it's probably best that you stay at home but I think it took a while for the messaging to get a bit more sensitive to the fact that like that's really really difficult and you know, a lot of people might live on their own and like telling them to just stay at home and not see anyone. You can't just, tr- you know, say a, say something like that in a throwaway kind of way. It's like, well, what are you going to do to help me deal with this? You know? Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it, it's such a, it's such a difficult situation to maneuver our way through, but like, you know, we're doing it. We're here in now and we're, we're here. So, so I was going to ask you next about, so you started a Patreon. Yes. Um, like in the last few months or year anyway, right? Well, it's nearly a year now, which is weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, so like just for anyone who doesn't know you, like you're a musician, you're a songwriter, you've released loads of music, um, you've gigged all over the place and probably toured abroad and stuff like that as well. Um, so tell people a little bit about your your songwriting and kind of art experience as an artist and then why you started Patreon and how Patreon has kind of molded the last year for you yeah so um, when did I release my I think I, I released my first album in 2012 um so I've I've two albums and an EP out and I'm working on a new album at the moment but yeah like yourself I've just been gigging for years touring away um like I had some lovely opportunities along the way like I played other voices and I got to go to New Zealand and play at festivals over there and you know great things but I suppose this year and and I started working with um label slash collective the x collective is it yeah Uh, vita they're called oh okay um two or three three years ago I'd time I don't know what time is anymore (laughs) (laughs) my last ep I them but really like they're an independent label very kind of artist-led everyone helps each other out and I suppose last year again like a lot of people the idea of Patreon had been playing in my mind but when lockdown first kicked in I didn't know what I was gonna do like obviously I think we all figured it out as we went along and and got you know got ourselves working again but at the start there was just this void so I was like okay there's the time to think about this Patreon idea and um Tell people what Patreon is, just for anyone who doesn't know. It's kind of, well, I suppose the name suggests it's based on like the old idea of patronage, where like people would commission artists or they would, you know, you'd be an artist patron. You'd like basically pay an artist to keep making art that you enjoyed. So it's kind of based on that, except it's it's like multiple patrons. So like... Mm you sign up kind of on a monthly basis and like most artists will have lots of tiers so at the different tiers you get different things so like my lowest tier is two euro a month and at two euro a month you get like a demo from me every month and then you get like previews of everything that I release which 
hasn't been as much as I would have liked in the last year, but it will be more. <laughs> and then like, as you go up the tiers from either, you get more stuff. But for me, the demo was the big thing I wanted to like, you know, when you're writing for an album, like so many, you just you have so many ideas that maybe you don't finish or maybe they just don't quite fit in the album. And I just wanted to share those and also to maybe have an incentive to keep writing. So yeah, so everyone on my Patreon gets a monthly demo. That's kind oh, wow. of, and then there's, you know, other stuff as well. So the, the demos that you're kind of releasing, it's kind of like, like kind of basically like vo- old voice notes and stuff like that, is it? Or kind of like, like kind of actual demo recordings that you would have done of, of songs that could have potentially been an album, but didn't make it or whatever. Yeah, no, they'd be more like, they wouldn't quite be voice notes, but they'd be fairly rough demos. Yeah. That- garage band I'm sorry they're not really rough but you know they're just they're just the guitar and the vocal or the piano or whatever it is yeah Um, yeah so some of them would be things I stumbled across that didn't make the cut somewhere and then sometimes it would be something new it just depends on the month but yeah I think I shared my 11th one there a while ago so yeah my patreon is nearly a year old (laughs) wow that's mad yeah I think you know when everything locks down like you know, people were desperate to like stay busy and stay involved in what they're doing, stay active. So like, I think the Patreon seemed to be a way that many artists have gone over the last year. Um, Cause it like before, before like lockdown and all of that, I would have heard of Patreon through like different YouTube channels, like usually American people and stuff. Right, yeah. So it's it kind of interesting to see it coming over here and like being used over here because it's like do you know the way like sometimes it's just it seems like th- certain things will never reach Ireland but it has so oh and you kind of like in the beginning I felt so stupid even talking about it like you know I think as an artist you're conditioned to feel like you're asking for charity or you're like you're asking for money but it's like no you're not you're offering people something and if they want it they can pay for it and if they don't want it that's okay <laughs> it's like exactly to be like oh I feel like I'm you know (laughs) but you know what though like I think people who like genuinely like what you do would be only delighted to support you in that way and then to get like little extra things that no that nobody else is getting as well like I love that so you know Patreon I actually had to go through it and like cancel a few subscriptions a while ago because I just got carried away I was like this is great you know signing up for loads of people's and then it was like okay so I've rein it in but I love like supporting people on Patreon and getting little demos and little things that they've written or whatever it is it's like I don't know it's completely different to uh, like social media platforms and have you gotten any feedback from those demos like have people been like why wasn't this released and stuff like that you know no not really actually I should be offended actually because I'm working on a new album I have actually been sharing a lot of demos of the songs that are going on the album mm-hmm. and then I've shared some demos that I'm kind of like I don't really know there's, there's none there that I say really like this is never going anywhere some of them I just like I'm not sure yet if this what will happen I don't know if it has a home anywhere else but at least it has a home on Patreon and do, like would you would you kind of have to say to your Patreons please don't share this with anybody else. It's not for public consumption. Just in case, like, because you don't want, like, something being leaked, like, that's going to be on an album, or do you just trust them? I guess I don't really think I matter enough for anyone to leak my music. (laughs) But 
but I suppose like the Patreon feed itself is private, like nobody can see it un- until they're subscribed. Um, mm-hmm. I do have like some of the higher tiers, they have like a kind of a secret demo archive where there's like a playlist of all the demos where they can download them. I mean, I, do- I don't, I don't imagine them ever. Unless I get super famous, maybe they'll share some of them. I don't know, but I yeah, I think I'm safe enough. Touch wood. <laughs> um, I obviously, like, a few weeks ago, there was, like, a lot of talk about women in music and kind of radio play and then all the statistics came out and, like, mo- most of the, 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 um, the percentage of female artists being played on the radio was it female Irish artists or female artists I think it was just female artists was like between zero and five percent in in most places I think there was one that maybe was 10 which is like disgraceful absolutely disgraceful and around that time I think you posted something that's about I think you were just um expressing your your um, disgust, I suppose, with with the situation. It's a bit of a strong word, but it's the only one I can think of right now. Um, and you were kind of saying that you mentioned about your music not getting played played on the radio anyway because of the type of music you release. And I thought, you know, tell us a bit about that. Like, so what kind of music do you release? Well, I mean, I, I suppose that's um, it. wasn't It wasn't that negative what I was saying. I suppose, like, I think when the when the kind of statistics started coming out and there was these campaigns to get more women played on radio, obviously you're going to get people going, well, you know, if it's good, it'll be played and blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of people saying, oh, like, you know, just basically thinking people who were given out were out for themselves, that they wanted to be played on the radio. So I suppose my point was like, I'm sharing this, but this isn't about me being played on the radio. Mm-hmm. More women need to be played on the radio. If more women are played on the radio, that doesn't necessarily mean I'll get played more, but it's not actually about that. Um, yeah. I think that is a whole other conversation about like what genres radios are willing to play. And, you know, there is still this kind of... And I don't like there's some great radio stations in Ireland, but there is this tendency to put everything that's in any way alternative or sometimes not even alternative. It might be just like folk or different things. It's just it's all in the middle of the night. You know, a lot of my favorite radio shows, they're in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, you know, they argue that, you know, they're playing what people want to hear, but radios are supposed to influence what people want to hear. Like there was a time when like, radios broke artists but now radios are just sorry and and I know some great radio DJs so I'm being trying to be careful here but now it feels like mainstream radio it doesn't have that function anymore it's just kind of giving people what they think everyone wants to hear and I feel like it's almost insulting to people it's like okay play all of those pop hits but like maybe people would be open to like hearing that song six times instead of seven and hearing something else as well, you know. I don't know exactly how radio stations work, but I'm sure there's like pressure from the people in charge um, to to like play a certain amount of particular artists that they think that people want to hear. So like, you know, there may be some amazing, you know, radio DJs or whatever you call them, um, you know, who want to play more alternative music. Um, but maybe they just don't have the freedom to do that. But yeah. it, Honestly, it should be illegal to like play that 
small amount of female artists. And another question I was going to ask was, I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, but um, I couldn't find it online and I wasn't really sure where to look for the answer to it. But I was just curious about the percentage of how much music, how much, how much female music is released versus how much male music is released. I don't know, but I was actually like, I don't, I don't know if the statistics are out there. There might be out there somewhere, but I was chatting about this to somebody to to the Vita gang recently, because we make a collective playlist every Friday of loads of new stuff that's come out. And the last few weeks we've been like, seriously, there are so many women releasing music in Ireland like I think a lot of weeks there has been more women coming up on our release radars than men. Of course, I'm going back to Spotify now, but um, mm-hmm. like you know, there's no reason. I'm not saying it has to be fifty fifty, but there's no reason for it to be way out of whack because the music is there and it's not any less good. <laughs> well, what I was thinking was about the whole situation that it should be at least so if. If there was a way to like monitor, I'm sure there is a way to monitor uh, about, um, you know, how many women are releasing music, how many men are releasing music, etc. That if if it's only 30 percent of women releasing music and 70 percent of men, then at least be 30, 70 on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because that's that's like a fair representation of, of each, like because, you know, obviously we want we want to kind of um campaign for more for more like female music on the radio but like you know we also I would hate to be put on the radio just because I'm female I want to be put there because people like my music or want to hear it you know so I feel like I know there has to be a bit of kind of kind of screaming and shouting about it to begin with because it's so bad at the minute that nobody's listening you kind of have to kind of speak up but it's for me anyway like I don't listen to the to the radio because I don't I I don't hear the music I want to hear on the radio do you know like I want to hear the alternative music I want to hear something different I want to be inspired I want to kind of go to a new place I don't want to hear the same song again that I heard yesterday 10 times you know that kind of way yeah and I think like you know that's one of the arguments that that people make against any of these kind of gender things they go it should be played on merit, not on gender. And I'm like, yeah, of course it should be on merit, but it never has been. Like, there's always mm-hmm. been a bias. And when there's a bias, you have to directly address it yeah. until it comes into balance. And then we can forget about it. And then, depending on what's released, like, if everything was equal, yeah, some weeks there'd be more men on the radio, but some weeks there'd be more women. And it would just shift and change. But mm. just it's not unbiased at the moment. Like, you just it's just not... I think it will change because like there was a time when there was there was no female presenters on the radio and now there's loads you know and I think you know the way we hate change like we like as human beings we we hate change so like you know I remember like when I first started hearing female voices on the radio I was like this is so weird hearing female voices on the radio but then I was like this is great that there's female voices on the radio but it took oh it took me a minute to like get used to it because I was so used to a male voice being in that position, you know, and I, and I feel like that will happen too with, with, with music and, you know, it'll organically get there, but we definitely have to yeah. kind of like I remember it. when I first like heard the yeah, yeah, yeahs when I was a teenager, I didn't like it because I was so used to hearing rock bands with male singers that I was like, I don't know, she's annoying. I don't like her voice. And then I got to like it. And, but I, 
I realized that I yeah like I was just so used to just listening to male music and even like a couple of years ago I read a book about like kind of forgotten female composers and I looked I was making a playlist of all their stuff and this mm. and I remember going oh this is actually really good and then being like oh my god am I actually surprised that this is good because it's a woman for god's sake like what have I what has been conditioned into me it's crazy it is it is total conditioning like like we're all you know none of us are perfect we're all guilty of it sometimes but you know I'm really glad the conversation is happening now Jaco and I feel like lockdown has been kind of amazing for a female Irish artists yeah. um in particular especially like you know I chatted to Ember Langford a bit, a bit about this about like the amount of Irish acts that have been on um like the Tommy Tiernan show and so on I think the Tommy RTE such a good template like for you know what tv can do because like you know sometimes like and this is no disrespect to any artists like you know sometimes people I know they don't understand why I'm not getting excited about such and such a band being on the late late or whatever and I'm like I, you know fair play to them but I can't get excited when I know it's just a certain genre but then when I see people on the Tommy Tiernan show every time I see who's on it I get excited because even if I'm not particularly into it I'm like Oh, the fact that all of these, this diverse range of artists are getting on that show is actually really exciting for other artists to see that, like, there's opportunity there for different genres and whatever, you know. Yeah. I love the Tommy Tiernan show. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? It's brilliant. Um, It's like, you know, I was saying, I don't, I haven't really watched much TV. I didn't watch TV for years. And then uh, over Christmas, my, my boyfriend said, will we get a nude heli? And I was like, to watch Netflix on and he was like well yeah but we can watch RTE as well <laughs> and then we started watching RTE like and I was like really I kind of couldn't believe the like even the standard in the programming I think is, has changed so much in the last 10 years yeah, yeah. um yeah things are changing I feel like the last few years have been such a revolution all over the world like it's like yeah. this the stuff happening it's, it's brilliant yeah um so let's talk a little bit about the voice so not the voice of Ireland <laughs> or anywhere else <clears throat> I've talked about that enough now <laughs> with other people um but like ha- tell me about your own own relationship with your voice and mm. yeah it's complicated <laughs> we're in a complicated relationship <laughs> yeah yeah so like I suppose I didn't come from like a singing background I had no training or anything like that um and when I was just singing my own, like, you know, say before I did the, the Community Music Masters, I was primarily singing my own songs and everything was grand. <laughs> and then I think for me, like, I started to realize or I started to develop weird problems with my voice when I started going into the community music world and realizing I can't, I don't actually know how to project my voice in this. And now some, some of the places you go into, they're not made for projecting your voice. Do you know, they're like, mm. you know, there's either little carpeted rooms and there's a people, there's a group of people having a conversation over the corner. So it's like, you know, you can only be so hard on yourself. <laughs> but yeah. I started, yeah, I started to develop weird problems with my voice. And I think because I feel there's a lot of stigma around like when you start to google things and I think maybe it's changed now there's some great vocal coaches online but like certainly like five or six years ago when I started to google things I just came across all these forums where people were just being horrible and 
you know, basically anything that was wrong with you was just because you were terrible and you had no technique and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and mm. I think for me, I kind of, I probably didn't do anything about it for a while because of that. I let it fester and then eventually went to a vocal coach who just wasn't the right vocal coach for me. And so again, you know, it just kind of went on and on and became a big, a big thing. And then I eventually developed vocal nodules. Oh, okay. I didn't actually realize that you did get the nodules. Uh, I probably I mean, chatted to you about that some point for forgot. Well, I, at that point, I mean, this is a couple of years ago now, and I haven't even been back to a ENT since. I don't even know if they're still there or not. But um, at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to, I started posting about it on social media because, yeah, this is, this is not just me, you know, like, because, you know, you just, you do, you go into your little, you feel like quite alone and you feel like no one else is having these problems. And when I posted about it, I got so many messages from people going, I had nodules or like, oh my God, I'm having problems with my voice. And I don't, know what to, mm. I don't want to tell anyone. I feel really like, I, you know, nobody will hire me if they know that I have vocal problems or whatever. Like there's so much, just, just so, I don't know. There's so much stigma around. And I think, especially when you look at like, I know it's probably a cliched example, like when Adele got her nodules, mm-hmm. And she had to cancel a tour. Like there was this reaction from like a certain school of vocal coaches. And it felt like they were delighted. You know, it felt like they mm. were, ha, ha, we knew she had bad technique, you know. And it's like the classic, if a sports person gets injured, do you go, well, they're clearly crap. Or do you empathize and go, oh yeah, they should rest until they recover. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we know this, but like, it's totally normal. Like we are vocal athletes. And every type of athlete um, acquires an injury at some point, multiple times in their careers. And, you know, we use our voices to sing, but we also talk with our voices. And to be honest, I don't know if if when you said you got like your, you got some problems, did you mean from speaking or from singing in those situations? I think it's, I think it was a bit of both really. Um, It was like singing. I think I was quite tied to... Like when I started going into healthcare settings, I didn't want to be a musician that just came in and, and stood in a corner and, and sang into a microphone. I wanted it to be more interactive. So I, I wanted to be able to move around the room because a lot of, you know, when you're going into certain settings, you might have people like particularly people with dementia. Sometimes the only way you can really make eye contact is if you just get up that little bit closer and sing to them. Mm. I didn't want to be the person just standing in the corner playing, even though that sounds like I'm that, that has its value as well, that that didn't mean to sound like I was putting that down. Don't have to explain. Yeah, we, we get it. What I want yeah. to do. So I think I just, I put a lot of pressure on my voice doing a lot of that kind of work. And then also, I suppose, yeah, leading workshops and things. It was just speaking in a way I never had before. And I never was a loud speaker or singer. So I suppose when I look back now it's like yeah that was a recipe for disaster I should have got coaching from the start <laughs> and were you like because I know like the likes of having like anxiety like getting up in front of people and talking and stuff like that can actually damage your voice as well when you're like trying to speak and be ner- and you're nervous and then you're all tense and <laughs> yeah I know for me that's how I hurt my voice is from actually talking yeah singing <laughs> because often like if you do hear yourself back in those situations, if you just hear little recordings of yourself, you're like, oh, of course I was going to damage my voice. Like I can hear that I was tense and I was all up here and my, you know, like my breath was all over the place. Like, of course, of course I was going to fatigue my voice. Yeah. And so tell me then, so 
when did you notice that there was a problem and what did you do about it? Um, I kind of just started gradually noticing there was a problem because my throat was sore. And I was, you know, every time I did it, and I was like, okay, this is wrong. And then I remember just singing at a wedding ceremony one day and my voice just breaking and doing these things that I was had no control over. And I was like, oh no. So I went, I think I, I let it fester for a while because of all this crap I was coming across on the internet. And then I went to a vocal coach who like is a really well-renowned vocal coach, but just in hindsight, now that I look back, wasn't the right person to go to mm-hmm. um, just was like I was coming I suppose at a point where I had lost confidence and j- I think just treated me like any of her classical students and was just hypercritical and just I learned some stuff from her but it didn't mm-hmm. have a problem <laughs> at all and um, so then yeah I, I got some speech therapy yeah and like I'm talking about all this I feel like I've learned so much, but I don't feel like I've really solved it. So I don't want to come across like I'm giving anyone advice here. Because no, you're, you're just sharing your journey. Like I had a similar, a similar thing. Like um, I remember when I, when I, when I first left secondary school and I went into um, do a, a diploma in um, DIT and music diploma. <clears throat> I remember I went to the first lesson and the singing teacher was like, her name was Mary Buckley. And um, she was like, I'm not taking you for another lesson until you go get that voice looked at. <laughs> but I was I was very husky. And, and looking back, I was actually husky on and off as a child. So I yeah. think, I don't know, I just probably, I was a loud child or something. I'm not sure. Um, so anyway, I went to speech therapy as well. And then, you know, I didn't have any issues for years. And then when I started back in college last year, then, I was singing so much more than I would have normally been singing. Like I was singing for hours every day, plus speaking, plus teaching for a full day, plus gigging and everything else. So, um, and then the stress of college and all that as well and adapting to a new situation and all that. Um, and I lost my voice for like a lot of my first year in college. And I went back to speech, got a, um, a laryngoscopy. Did you get a laryngoscopy? Yes. Yeah, I got laryngoscopy and I didn't have have uh, nodules, but they were I had swollen vocal cords. So they were, you know, it, yeah, it was they were irritated. <laughs> they were angry at me. <laughs> so um, I just had to take vocal rest and, you know, try and build up that stamina, you know, just to be able to to sing that much so often. I just wasn't used to it, like, you know. Yeah, that's it. I think like. I've been to like over over a period of 10 years, a few different ENTs. Um, and like, I don't know, they, like they just don't tend to be very nice. <laughs> and they're like, I think if I was to do it again, like if I had any advice for anyone, it's like I would get an ENT recommendation from a vocal coach. Don't just take one from your GP because a lot of them, they're not, you know, singers aren't their main thing that they deal with. Nodules aren't their their primary concern. You know, they're concerned with more life threatening things. Um, like yeah, when, the la- like the last time I went, and your man was like, "Yes, you have nodules. You're a vocal abuser." And I was like, "Oh, oh dear." And she was like, "No, you're not a vocal abuser. <laughs> like you just you've adapted. You know, you've got some maladaptive habits, but you you develop those habits." 
trying to protect yourself do you know because you were feeling like things were going wrong so you naturally physically tried to change whatever was going wrong but you just didn't go about it in the right way because it was just sub- subconsciously happening yeah I think that's really good advice what you said about like anyone who who thinks that they might have some vocal issues um first of all don't leave it for too long go get it checked out like and if you go to your GP you know make sure you tell them that you want to get a laryngoscopy like demand it because they don't always they might not always take it that seriously do you know because it's like if they're not invested in like the whole world of vocalists and singers they don't really get it you know and they're like oh you're grand you're just a bit you're a bit husky if you just take a few days off I'm like yeah "Yeah, but no this is a persistent problem like really you kind of have to demand it and even know who you want to be referred to I like when I went to one I was like refer me to this person in this place and I want a laryngoscopy and I went in and I asked for because you have to kind of know what you want um I think that's really important but also to like try find somebody who does have experience working with singers I think is like the biggest best piece of advice to give anyone yeah, definitely. It's so important. Who did you go to? Did you go to someone in the end that had experience working with singers? Yeah. yeah. You have... <laughs> so, Don't tell me if, it, if the person who you didn't, weren't happy with. But the... I can't even remember names. Yeah. So I went to, an, I, I've been to three in my life. Like one was maybe 12 years ago. And like that, he didn't even do a, a laryngoscopy. laryngoscopy. He just like stuck a mirror into my throat and told, sent me on my way. And afterwards I was like, you know, I just gave him 150 euro. What did he do that my GP didn't do? I really just don't know. Um, mm. And then I had a laryngoscopy again. This was like more recently, which I just got referred to from a GP. And then when I went to the speech therapist, she was like, and I told her what he had told me. She was like, he didn't tell you anything. I couldn't have told you from just listening to you speak, you know? Yeah. Um, so then she referred me to someone and he was the one who told me I had nodules. And I do think he was thorough, but, you know, just, just, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter if people are nice, does it? If they're good at their job, but I yeah. like it's shown their, their laryngoscopy though, because I never got to see. You didn't get to see it, did you not? Oh, I was like, I went in and I was like, I want to video it. I want to see it when it's being done. <laughs> so like she did it on me and then she was like, you can have a look at it afterwards. It's recorded. And then I like videoed it on my phone. So I have it still. I can like, show students and stuff. But um, there's a really good page to follow. I, I think you might have messaged me about this that I'm having a memory like ages ago. Did you mention me? I think you might have me- messaged me asking me about something like this. But um, there's a, an in, a, a, a doctor... She, her name is um Dr. Rena Gupta. Do you follow her? I don't think so. I I don't know. Sometimes I just go on following sprees, but I don't think I do. <laughs> she's brilliant. So she's like um I think her title is like laryngologist or SLP somewhere in that reign of things area of things. Um, but she basically is really really passionate about the voice and singers. But she she's always reposting she's always posting like videos of laryngoscopies and different treatments and like the progress updates and all of that so she explains everything really well so you know what to ask for Mm. she tells you what kind of scope to ask for she shows you you know what the damage looks like some of the the videos are a bit gross but like you know (laughs) it's educational and so Dr. Rena Gupta I'll pop it in the description of the video but she's definitely one to follow if you want to just like learn a little bit more about about just educate yourself about what 
what's involved and what kind of damage is to be done and what you need to ask for if you think you have any um any voice troubles yeah and I think like you said earlier do it early is the best because if you don't do it early uh, it will just become so embedded even it will become a psychological like for me like I know I I know part of the problem is is like I couldn't think about singing without imagining pain do you know what I mean and that's like such an you're not going to want to practice you know and you'd be beating yourself up for not practicing every day but then you're like yeah but it hurts why would I want to practice you know so it's like you know that I guess the sooner you just address something you think is a problem the less of a chance it has to get a hold from all these different angles you know Mm, definitely and I I do think it's very valuable going to a vocal coach who like a singing teacher who actually understands about you know the voice and voice that has kind of a a bit of a, a grasp on the voice science side of things because you know most of us can kind of you know hear basic things how to diagnose voices and what to look out for so like we're not doctors but we can kind of hear straight away whether somebody needs to be referred or not you know so it is definitely useful to go to a coach and kind of just learn some basic like healthy techniques to to get you on your way there's this there's just some really simple like exercises you can do to to um prevent pain and um strain you know and like i I think I posted about this recently. I did like a little post on my Instagram. Um, but there's one exercise, for example, where if you're going to sing a high note and you feel like you're straining, you can do this exercise where you, you're you singing up and you go, you go to hit the high note. You like put your arms straight up in the air like that and just bend your knees a tiny little bit as you're coming into the high note. It actually helps relax the muscles around the the vocal tract and the larynx um because it kind of like tricks the brain into into instead of the brain going we're getting high on the tense and I don't know how to do this and like you know you end up straining it like the brain is focusing on the bending the knees and raising the hands up in here so it's like a little psychological trick you know and like even just simple things like that can actually just give you really healthy techniques for singing which can reduce some of that discomfort you know the wall one I like that you know where you just push the wall as you get high it's just like you said it's tricky but it's also engaging different muscles as well that your your brain isn't just going everything's here you know (laughs) yeah it's it's there's like method to to the madness right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. I know sometimes it's like I remember there's an episode of Frasier where (laughs) have you ever watched Frasier (laughs) um I've seen a few episodes of things but I've never they're doing a squat and they look like crazy people but you're like no 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 that actually makes sense what they're doing there <laughs> warm-ups don't work for everyone mm-hmm. you put on these warm-ups on youtube and you're like i don't feel great after that because they're not tailored for your voice so like I think yeah it encourages you to look at your voice from lots of different angles and then find what genuinely suits you not just what somebody prescribed is really good i think um you mentioned like when I first asked you about the voice um I asked the question I asked was what you know how has your relationship with the voice been and you were like it's complicated and it is our relationship with our voice is complicated because you actually have to spend time getting to know your voice like as you just said there not every not every warm-up is going to be perfect for everybody you know it's like some people wake up being able to to sing 
first thing in the morning no bother some people need to wait until the evening time before their voice is fully functioning like you know it's it's kind of an anatomy kind of genetic thing as well sometimes but it's like about kind of getting to know your voice and trying out different exercises until you find one that you see results from and even that can take time because sometimes you don't some of your your ear isn't always tuned into being able to hear those results yeah yeah it takes time to develop that changes as well over time you know voice changes age and like I like I find I'm gonna get into this now but like my voice changes throughout my cycle you know like there's a certain Mm. few days in the month when it doesn't matter what I do my voice is not gonna play ball (laughs) yeah because um there's certain times in your menstrual cycle that your vocal cords actually swell up a little bit so um if you notice that your voice gets more tired when you're gigging when you are on your period then that's that's why so you do actually have to be a bit gentler on your yeah. on your voice so you might get a hot water bottle for your cramps which also might just take it a little bit easier on the voice <laughs> I remember a while ago I can't remember his name and it's probably better that I don't name him but the, remember this podcast came out and there was this drummer on it talking about like female musicians and how he has to dumb down his arrangements when he's working with female musicians and he has to like yeah. he talks about like he's talking about like well how he has to like be more sensitive around females because they have periods. <laughs> anyway, I'm not getting into slagging him, but <laughs> all these people on Twitter joking about, oh yeah, I heard such and such a band plan their tour around their period. And I was like, okay, it's funny because it's not true. But I was like, I think it's kind of funny that we think that's a crazy idea that we would plan our lives around our bodies. Why, mm. why is that so crazy? <laughs> you know? A hundred percent. Because it do, like, you know, without going into it too much, it does affect you a lot, you know, it really does. Like you have to take it easier on your body at that time of the month, you know, and even um you know, what is it, the um the fertile period as well of the of the of the um the cycle as well. There can be some issues there too. So it's actually really interesting to um to have a read about that guys if you're a singer and you're female. <laughs> um if you have anything I can read about it, you I would love to know as well, Rebecca, because sometimes Sometimes I feel like I'm, because I think it affects different people to different extents. Like I know there's a few days when I will try not to plan any singing because I know my voice will just be cracking and breaking and sore and not everyone experiences that. So sometimes you're like, am I just crazy? Um, So it's always good to like read about the science behind something so you can back yourself up. (laughs) You have to listen to your body, guys. At the end of the day, with with all of this stuff, whether it's periods or whether it's a hoarse voice, whatever it is, you have to listen to your body. If you're tired, what do you do? You know, you're trying to, if you can, you take it easier and you go for a nap. If you're thirsty, what do you do? You have a drink of water. If you're hungry, what do you do? You eat something, you know what I mean? So if your voice is feeling hoarse, do something about it. Like, listen to your body. Yeah. Cool. Um, so just to finish off, it, what's next for you? Is there anything coming up for you that you want people to know about? Obviously, gigs are have a question mark over them at the minute, but... Uh, well, I'm working, I'm trying to work on my album. It's not the easiest at the moment because studios aren't open. So um, I'm doing what I can from home, but we've kind of come to a point now where we need to do drums to move further. So we're a bit stuck, but there will be an album later in the year, but I'm going to be releasing uh, the first, well, technically the second single from it, because I released the first one last year in May. Uh, It's called Think Before I Speak. And yeah, beginning of May, I'm going to be releasing that. And what's it about? It's about thinking too much before you speak. Oh, I thought you were going to say the opposite. I thought you were going to say. It's about, it's about a bit of both. 
sometimes, you know, sometimes thinking too much and then sometimes not thinking enough and wishing you didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm probably more the latter. I have like <laughs> such foot and mouth disease, like I'm just a disgrace. <laughs> I think I, I kind of, I swerve between the two because, you know, you overthink so much like I overthink so much that I don't say anything so then the next time I'm in a situation I'm like I'm gonna say what I think and then I'm like oh no I wish I didn't do that <laughs> so it's back and forth <laughs> that's really interesting I actually think the whole topic is really interesting um because I'm the person like you know at a workshop that asks all the questions and everyone else is like thanks for asking the question I really wanted to ask but I was too afraid to put my hand up you know but then that then as well because I'm introverted I also get really awkward about it then afterwards I'm like oh did I ask did I talk too much did I ask so many questions you know and I start questioning my own actions like (laughs) like I actually had that experience this morning I was at a, a webinar and we were put into breakout rooms and I think there was five of us in the room and afterwards I was like oh I talked too much oh god but like there was at least two or three people in the group who talked more than me and then maybe one or two that I talked more than but it's like as soon as I talk more than anyone I think it's too much you know (laughs) we are very complicated beings us human beings (laughs) cool so well I'm very much looking forward to hearing what you have next um if you haven't heard Sive's music, definitely check it out. Um, she's on Spotify and YouTube and you can buy her hard copies of your album on Bandcamp, can you? Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, do you want to like describe your music for people? Well, I call it alt folk. Um, I guess I'm quite, you know, uh, there's a lot of folk influences in there, particularly mm-hmm. the lyrics and the stories and stuff, but um, it's there's just other stuff coming in, like, I suppose, mm-hmm. coming from the fact that I have a background more in, like, rock music and then got into jazz music and then eventually got into folk. So it's folk not coming from a folk background, I suppose. <laughs> it's, you know what? I would just say it's inspiring. I think it's so inspiring. Like, um, the, I think the last time I seen you play, which is shameful, but it's it was a long time ago, it was... um. You were playing some gig in um, Dudray Beans upstairs. Oh, wow. I think maybe Rubber Kyo was playing as well. King Modo. What a band. Mojo. Mojo. King Modo. No, what was it? King Modo. That was it. King Modo. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You can trust me because I was obsessed with them for a couple of years. <laughs> They're just such a good band. Yeah, that was, that was, I don't know how many years ago that was. It was, it was like, it must be five or six. Yeah, definitely. At least. I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. It's I don't know I don't understand time anymore (laughs) yeah I know right (laughs) well anyway look I suppose we could finish it up there I think we had a great old chat is there anything else that you want to mention before we I reckon I reckon I've said enough (laughs) well you didn't talk too much so it's all good (laughs) the whole point is that you talk anyway so (laughs) 